0: To Podcast by ACNA, the one day we will know this podcast podcast that sends stories from your ACNA colleagues and some special guests to you. This episode's a great one, everyone. It's a really special episode as it features our CEO, Dr. Ricky Smith, a fascinating conversation that starts with her childhood in New York and moves all the way to Perth to the present day. I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did, and a really big shout out and thank you to Ricky for sharing. So I promised you when I decided that this was a good idea to do a podcast for ACNA that I would only ask two questions and I would keep them really short and sweet. But you're the CEO, so we want to hear lots about your story, but I will stick to two questions. So the two questions are, tell me about your first bicycle and tell me about how you came to be CEO of ACNA. Where do you want to start?
1: Oh, my goodness, my first bicycle. That's an interesting question. I might start there. Okay. So in I was in America And in my family, when you hit the age of 10, you got a bicycle at Christmas. So I had to wait nine months because I was born in March till Christmas came and I got my first bicycle, my first proper bike. I had a little bike, but you know, my first proper bike. I think I had it about two months before my brother and I were cycling to the library, which is one of those few places I was allowed to go when I was 10. By myself in New York mm-hmm. and we got ambushed by some oh, young thugs no. I had waited so long to have gotten my first proper bike that there was no way on this earth anyone was taking that bike from me so I screamed blue murder and they ran <laughs> off and I kept my bike <laughs> oh, but we didn't go to the library we went home that day so yeah
0: oh that is a cracker of a story in New
1: York, how long were you in New York for? I lived in New York till I was 13. And then to Australia? Yes. So uh, moved to Australia when I was 13. Um, it was like going to a tiny country town for me because even though I lived in a suburb outside of Manhattan, I went to school in Manhattan. So I was in a very busy, kind of dangerous environment back then. Came to Perth saw my cousin and we went for a walk at night and oh. we walked in the middle of the street at night. I wasn't allowed to do that in America. Street lights came on, you came home. So it was so strange for me to get used to living in a what appeared to me to be a country town, but I love Perth and been here ever since.
0: There you go. And so 13, you did high school in
1: Perth? I did a year of high school in America. Um, I went to a school in... Manhattan called Hunter College High School, which was a school you had to sit an exam for, and I managed to get in. Came to Australia, and to be honest, the education system was a little different. I'd actually covered the entire curriculum for three years before I came here, so it was a very boring experience for me. So, finished year 12, did you have a gap year? I went straight to uni to do arts. I was going to be a drama teacher or an actress. I last six months uh, doing my arts degree and realized I wasn't good enough to be an actress and I wasn't flamboyant enough to be a drama teacher. So I had been working at Target as a checkout chick from the time I was 15. I went and worked for them full-time on the refunds counter, so I got to use the microphone. <laughs> Someone from shoes to refunds, please. <laughs> um <laughs> and then I was going to go back to you need to do social work but my then fiance or boyfriend fiance was a youth work, and we decided that was too hard to have two people in the same field so I went to work for Woolworths in their buying office ended up doing a marketing degree and it sort of took me on my I guess my path to where I am now so that path
0: included time in an advertising agency I believe
1: yes so when I was at Woolworths one of I had two jobs at one point the morning I worked in the advertising department And in the afternoon, I read the newspapers and business journals for the CEO or state manager he was and summarized them. So my mornings in the advertising department consisted of me visiting the buyers and saying, what specials have we got this week? Getting the information of the specials, typing it up, going to the art director, the art department who created the ads. Then I took them to the buyers and we proofread them. I did that for about six months, was bored out of my brain, but I saw an ad for an advertising agency who wanted a media buyer. I had no idea what a media buyer did, but one of the other tasks I had was to call the West Australian every week and book how many pages we wanted of supermarket ads. So somehow I managed to convince the uh, agency that they should interview me. I was interviewed and it came down to a sales rep from a radio station and me. So they gave me, both of us, a task and the task was write to the West Australian complaining about the position your ad appeared in. It was the only thing I would have been able to do because it was the only thing in advertising I had ever really done in media. It was part of my job when they gave us page 12 instead of page 9 to call them up and complain. So somehow wrote the right letter, got the job. And I started in media and then moved into account service.
0: Was there any famous person
1: that you've got a good story about when you were in account service? Not for my advertising days, but I will tell you. I did. I won't name him because he's an Australian singer. One of my other jobs, I started working when I was 13 when I came to Australia because we didn't have, my mum didn't have much money. And I worked at the deli across the street from my house. And one night I was there by myself at, I think I was 14 at the time, working in the deli by myself at night, and a pop star came in Mm -hmm. and wanted a tin of sardines, but he didn't have any money. So he said, don't worry, I'll come back. And he didn't. Oh, no. But I'll always remember I gave this guy a tin of sardines. So he's probably the most... Famous? I don't know. I haven't really met a lot of famous people. I did a lot of really cool things though. I had great clients. I had the Lotteries Commission. I did a campaign for safe drinking. I used to get all the social sort of services type campaigns, which is probably why I managed to last as long as I did in advertising because I was doing work for purpose, not just to promote stuff to people who wanted to sell stuff.
0: Yeah. And I guess some um, work for purpose is something that you've always been, well, I've always heard you talk with such commitment and passion about. Yeah. Was it from advertising that you moved to Silver Chain Group? Or was it that work for purpose that drew you there?
1: Not quite. Not quite. There was a one in between. So after being in advertising for a while, I did some amazing stuff, worked. I was the second employee of a advertising agency that won agency of the year, three years in a row. I had such an amazing time, but one of the things that I missed or I wanted was I wanted to have more impact. So one of the problems with working as an account director is you'd come up with great strategies. The creative team would come up with their communication pieces. If the ads worked, it was all about the creative. If it didn't work, it was poor strategy, (laughs) but anyway, but I didn't get to see things through to the end. I'd make recommendations. And the clients wouldn't always do it. So I got an opportunity to work in a health fund called HBF. And HBF is a not-for-profit or a mutual. So it's for members. So that sort of gave me the, I guess, the opportunity to spread my wings and to implement things, but also do it in a commercial environment, but one that was for purpose. So I started there as marketing manager and I like about 14 years later, I think, I left as group general manager, so I was responsible for the call centre, the branches, the marketing, the product development, all the consumer-facing things. But while I was there, the chairman of HBF was also the chairman of Silver Chain. And uh, he asked me about halfway through my career at HBF if I would join the board of Silver Chain. And my father in law, had Silver Chain's palliative care service when he, and was able to die at home pain-free. And I guess that really touched me. So when I had the opportunity to join the board of Silver Chain, I jumped at it. So I was on the board for seven years, uh, loved every minute of it, really stimulating. And when I left HBF, I left the board of Silver Chain. Missed it so much that I stalked the then CEO, Chris McGowan, who I had Met, obviously, when I was on the board. Fortunately for me, he had a position that he was considering and gave me an opportunity to apply for it. It was very, it was the most challenging interview of my life. I had five people on the panel, including two board members, because there was no way that Chris was going to be accused of nepotism. But, yeah, i managed to um, convince them I was the right person and I've been part of the group ever since. Wow.
0: What a story. So what year did you join Silver Jane Group? I can't add up the maths.
1: 19... Where are we now? 1997.
0: So I've been for a while now.
1: I'm trying to do the maths now. 23 years. Uh, Wow. No, 14 years. Wait, I've got my years wrong then. 19... No, must have been 2000... 2007,
0: This doesn't be.
1: bode well, have we, we can't. I've no, 11, I don't know. Hang on, let me think. I can't remember. 2008, I think it was, or 2009, something like that. I've just done 10 years. So uh, I was going to say, Sharon Creaney's listening to this and having a
0: heart attack because we can't. <laughs> uh, okay, so just done 10 years now. Transition from Silver Chain Group to ACNA. How did that all happen?
1: When I joined Silver Chain... Um, I had two jobs. One was to run the contact centre and some, I guess, business or contracts that didn't fit the WA hack, the WA state government. So I had things like the Commonwealth Respite and Care Link Centre, DVA, sort of a, uh, a mixture of, of different contracts. But the real part of my job was business development. So my job was to win business, particularly take us to the eastern states, And having won it, I would set it up and then hand it on to one of the divisions. So for example, when we won some palliative care work in New South Wales, I helped set it up and then passed it on to the health team at Silver Chain. But in 2010, we won a contract for the Regional Assessment Service in WA. And because of conflict of interest, I wasn't able to hand it on to anyone. So for a number of years, I had a dual role of general manager of a division of Silver Chain, which we called ACNA, and also a business development role. Then in 2014, in anticipation of the, of the My Aged Care Regional Assessment Service, I recommended that the um, ACNA become a subsidiary rather than a division so we could demonstrate separation. And so a consequence of that is I became CEO of ACNA. It wasn't my plan to be a CEO. I've never really thought about it that way I've always had an attitude of whatever door opens I'll walk through it um, I guess that's how I managed to do most of the jobs I've done in my career and always do what's right for the organization and if you do what's right for the organization hopefully it pays off so for me personally I wasn't looking to be a CEO but I became one it hasn't really changed how I behaved anyway I always hopefully have done what's right for the organization and continue to. There's so many places to go as CEO
0: of ACNA. What sort of sticks out, say, your top two highlights?
1: The two two things that you just think, God, I'm proud of that. Wow. I will always go back in my mind to a very, very hot day in January when 19 people gathered in a I wish I could remember the building now, gathered near a park for the very beginning of the WA Regional Assessment Service. And bringing those 19 people together was just so exciting and inspiring because we were creating something that hadn't existed. The health department in WA had an idea and they had some of the processes worked out, but that they only just really had a well-formed idea. And the 19 of us... Did some really fun things. We did a lot of, of, you know, get to know you games, things like that. But started at that moment to shape not only the work we did, but who we are. And I'll always remember we had the health department representatives coming along to our very first day and asked them to tell us what their vision was and what, um, you know, what they wanted from us. And I guess it sort of started us off on a path of working collaboratively with the health department in design. I think because we showed passion and interest in working with the health department, we were the only ones that had invited them along to, uh, you know, the beginning of the training. So I'll always remember that day as being, you know, really special because it was frankly the beginning of who we are today. And I'm really proud there's some people in ACNA that are still with us today after all these years, which is wonderful. So I'd say that was, that was one. I think the other one would have to be not something that I, I guess I, you can see, but something that I believe. And we've been fighting or I guess advocating for every Australian to have the opportunity to start, to to build to independence and not be written off. And it frankly took us years. I remember starting to talk about the concept of reablement with the health department back in 2014, maybe 15. And it took us until the last year or so to really see that they were embracing what we were saying. None of that, none of that would have been possible if we hadn't had such a committed bunch of people in ACNA who were willing to let us try stuff, who were willing to let us be creative and say, what if? and not just lock themselves down to a particular job. So I've ha- always had the, the, I guess, the great part of the job is I've been able to share what we've done, but I don't do it. Um, so it's just such a privilege to be able to take all the experiences and all the years and years of experience that's in in the team of people who are working at, in ACnet and present it to ministers, present it to government. Presented overseas when I did my Churchill Fellowship and know that we really are changing the Australian aged care system, which is amazing for an organisation that started with 19 people in 2011. Oh, don't know where to go
0: from there. That's the most (laughs) amazing (laughs) wrap-up. Oh, Ricky Smith, Dr. Ricky Smith. I was going to make you talk all about the doctor bit and I just think, oh, I'm just absolutely floored. All right, last question. What are you reading at the moment? What's beside the bedside
1: table? What am I reading at the moment? You won't be surprised. I have just read Marie Kondo's book again <laughs> and that's obviously um, very front of mind at the moment. But I, re- my reading is to escape. So, in order for me to shut out the day and go to sleep at night, I read something that has got nothing to do with work. So, I read all sorts of rubbish, you know, (laughs) trashy romance or whatever. That is my way of letting go of the day. I spend 15 or 20 minutes reading in bed and then I'm asleep. And I wake up the next day ready to rock and roll. You are a rock star, Ricky Smith. Thank you so much. Oh,
0: That's about you. it, unless you've want any last words cut at the end. Uh, no, I hated doing this. <laughs> I've just pressed record just so you know you're being recorded and you're not going to like sue me for sneaky chats that <laughs> okay. like you weren't ready to all record, right. all right? So are you in the Qantas lounge?
1: Uh, have yes you got I your
0: You've got a glass don't have of my wine,
1: though. No, unfortunately, the Qantas <laughs> Lounge isn't doing wine at the moment.
0: <laughs> oh, that's the first cough that's got to get edited out. Um, have you ever heard those podcasts where people sit and eat and talk? No. It's
1: so You mean you assume I listen to podcasts? <laughs> You'll
0: be listening to this one, boss.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you do realize I spend my time at work okay. or. Eating or binge watching <laughs> on Netflix. So I binge watched Hollywood on the weekend. Do you know who that what that is? No idea. Have you heard of Ryan Murphy? Mm, no. Have you heard of Glee? Yes. He's the guy that did Glee, and he's done a thing called Hollywood, which is on Netflix. So binge right. watched that on the weekend.
0: We could just do a podcast of, like, recommendations. <laughs>
1: what TV I watch. <laughs> yep, that won't be interesting for anyone.
0: All right. <laughs>